wearing two things that I'm not used to wearing. That's glasses and a microphone, okay? All right, praise God. Okay, um, we've been going through the book of Mark, and we're now at chapter 14. And I'll just read it for you um, from verses 1 to 11. If you have a Bible, feel free to just follow along. And it says, Now the Passover and the festival of unleavened bread were only two days away. And the chief priests and the teachers of the law were scheming to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him. But not during the festival, they said, or the people may riot. While he was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them any time you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priests to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted to hear this and promised to give him money. So he watched for an opportunity to hand him over. Start with a question. Have you ever been convinced that you're doing the right thing, in the right place, at the right time? But it feels painful. I have. Have you ever felt like what you're offering will be welcomed, will be celebrated? But actually, it's the opposite. It seems like it's rejected or ridiculed. I put my hand up, I put two hands up because I have. Some of you may know that I used to work as a teacher and I was teaching for 10 years. And I loved it in the beginning. But the last three years were the hardest three years of my life. But I knew that God wanted me there. I knew that God had a purpose and a plan. I didn't really know what the person plan was. <laughs> but I knew that he wanted me to stay there. And that made it even harder. And I didn't know till the very end, till it was time to leave, why and how significant it was but I chose to stay, even when it was hard. This morning, I, I've titled the message of Worship in a Hostile Environment. And I want us to look today at what, what does it look like to worship Jesus when it feels really hard because of the context that we're in. The chapter begins by highlighting the hostility and hardness of the hearts of the chief priests. They're afraid of Jesus' popularity because the last thing they wanted to do was lose their power. They didn't want that at all and they would do anything to stop that from happening. In verse 1, it says that they were plotting and scheming to arrest Jesus secretly so that they could kill him. 
And I imagine this conversation happening behind big but closed doors. I imagine powerful people, really important people, having these conversations and scheming and plotting in secret. The key things that the text says, they said, not during the festival. That was the last thing that they wanted because they knew that there was going to be a lot of people there. They knew that there was going to be thousands of people coming for the Passover and they're like, no, 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 no. We can't have it happening during the festival. What they were saying is we've got to get the timing right. Got to choose this wisely because the people will riot. And the people in power really did not want unmanageable crowds. The last thing that they wanted was people behaving in uncontrolled ways that would make them feel uncomfortable. So they chose wisely because they feared what may happen. Their hearts were hard towards Jesus and they didn't want any hostility coming towards them. That's how this story begins. That's how Mark frames this piece of text. He starts with that context and that hostility. Then he moves over to a different context in Bethany. And we see this powerful story, this beautiful story of a beautiful offering that's poured out. It's powerful. It's beautiful. But it's framed next to hardness and harshness. And then at the end of the text, we see it moves to Judas, whose heart is also hard, who's about to go and betray Jesus. So this offering is set in the midst of a hostile environment. Are you with me? Yeah, come on, show the, the nods and the smiles. You know what Lee was talking about. Good. <laughs> so the story is framed in hostility. And the offering that this woman gives is revealed in hostility too. This piece is full of contrast. And it's something that Mark does to emphasize what's really important in this moment. Context and contrast are key to this piece. Environments can be hard, but also helpful. Because the context that we're in will bring out what is within us. That's what contexts do. They bring out what's on the inside. We see the chief priests and the scribes, their context is the Passover. Their context is lots of people are coming, so they're starting to feel the pressure now. And what's been brought out in them is fear, jealousy, and hatred, which leads them to plan a murder. That's their context. When I started teaching, I loved it. I loved it. I'd found my flow. I'd found what I felt that God had had, had put in me and an opportunity to, to pour it out. I loved it. But things started to change. The culture of education started to change. And there's many people in this room who've who've taught in schools or worked in schools. And suddenly it, it started to change and become very hard. And I found that it was no longer aligned with my my values anymore. And I felt like it's not aligned with actually my gifts anymore. But God didn't release me. 
prayed every day. I'm like, Jesus, 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 you know how hard this is. Lord, any day now, just tell me. I will write the resignation. Jesus, just say the word. That was my prayer daily. But he didn't release me. I didn't feel that I could go. Looking back now, I see the fruit of it. I see how God did something in me. I see how he used me to help the people around me. I see how he used me in the organization. But at the time, I didn't see that. At the time, it was painful and it was hard and it was horrible. But I had to learn how to follow Jesus in that place when I felt fragile, when I felt vulnerable, when I felt like I'm a failing. I had to trust Jesus to help me. And he did. So the text moves to Bethany, where we see this woman. She brings a costly offering, and she's a picture of what wholehearted worship looks like. And I read again, verse 3, it says, While he was in Bethany reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar, a very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. We see this woman, she's open. We see this woman, she's pouring out a love and she's pouring out a devotion and she's, she's sincere, she's, she's soft, she's gentle, she loves Jesus. And this piece is next to chief priests who don't like him, who hate him, who are hidden. And here's this woman, is open. It's next to these, these chief priests who don't want any kind of uncontrollable behavior at all. We don't want anything that we can't manage. We don't want anything that we can't handle. And here we see this woman who behaves in quite an uncontrollable way. We see this woman who is just exuberant, maybe you might say. A woman who is just open, a woman who is just free next to these Chief priests who are hard, who are closed, who are hidden, who are in the shadows, and she's there in the light, pouring out her love to Jesus. How beautiful is that? And I look at this one like, go girl. <laughs> go girl. I'm like, that's who I want to be. I want to be like that. I want to be someone who just loves Jesus so much, who just gives him my best, who doesn't hold back. I want to be someone who is intentional, who doesn't be afraid of what the people around are saying or doing. I just want to keep my eyes fixed on Jesus and pour out my love to him. That's who I want to be. I'm like, yes, this woman is a role model. Amen, sister. That's what I think when I see this. But then I look again and I keep reading. And I read verse 4, and it says, Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, Why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. And I see that she was misunderstood. No, 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 I, I don't want misunderstanding. No, 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 that is not what I want at all. I don't want to be misunderstood. They didn't understand her offering. They didn't see her beauty and her devotion. They didn't see that she's just carrying something different and it's her way of expressing. They didn't see that. They misunderstood her. And when I think about following Jesus, I'm like, yes, Lord. But please, no, don't make me be misunderstood. And then it says that, you know, they rebuked her. That, that, that's criticism. Oh, no, 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 no. I don't like criticism. Who does? This is public criticism here. Oh, no, 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 Jesus, save me from that. Save me from that, Lord, 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 no. Because that's not what any of us want. But here we see this woman is in an environment that becomes quite hostile. It's not easy. 
I'm sure it was really hard. And it's not something that any of us want. I look again at the text and I see she's a woman in what probably would have been a predominantly male context. So what she's carrying and what she's offering is going to look different to the other disciples. Very, very different. She wasn't there to top up the glasses. (laughs) She wasn't there to clear the plates. No, she was there with a mission and a mandate from heaven. And I don't even think she realised it herself. I don't think she really knew what she was carrying. She didn't really know what she was doing in this moment. What she did know was she loved Jesus. What she did know is she just wanted to give him what she's got. She wanted to just do what would please him. She didn't understand the significance of what she was carrying and what she was going to offer. I don't think it was easy for her in that moment. It says that she broke the jar. So this wasn't a carefully calculated offering. No, it says she broke the jar. It wasn't careful. It wasn't calculated. It wasn't a bit like this. Okay, Jesus, what can I give you? Okay, some for you, more for me. It wasn't that kind of offering. No, it says she broke the jar. That shows intention. That shows at that moment, she's saying, Jesus, I'm giving you everything. Jesus, I am not holding back. I am giving you what I've got. That's what breaking the jar says to me. She was giving it all, no holding back. And that's what wholehearted worship is. And I can imagine at that moment when she broke that jar, that's the moment when they would have noticed her. That's the moment when I'm sure everybody suddenly went a bit quiet and thought, Who is she? What is she doing? And that's the moment when the whispers started and the looks started and the nudges and the mm, all of that. But in the midst of that environment, in the midst of that context, this woman just keeps pouring. When it's hard, when she probably thought, because if it was me, the moment that I did that, I'd be like, Lord Jesus, come now. You know those moments when you think, uh-oh, uh-oh, and you just wish you could just rewind. (laughs) I imagine it was one of those moments for her. You know those moments where you've gone too far to go back, (laughs) but actually the thought of going forward is quite scary. I imagine it was one of those moments for her, but she kept pouring anyway. You know those moments when You're like, Jesus, I want to serve you. But I don't feel too good right now. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We've all had those moments, haven't we? But what we do in those moments, when we choose to offer, when we choose to keep pouring, it becomes powerful. When you say, Jesus, I'm doing this for you. You don't know what the outcome is going to be. You don't know what it's going to look like. You don't know what people are going to say. You don't know how it's going to be received. But you're not thinking about that. You're just thinking about your offering. Because really, that's what worship is. Worship is about what we offer. It's not about the outcome. It's about the offering. And this woman offered what she had. She offered what she was carrying. And she gave it to Jesus. And the outcome was extraordinary. I don't think she knew it at the time. I really don't think she knew it. I don't think she knew Yeah, this is my moment. This is the time when I'm going to be revealed. No, 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 no. I think it may have been a moment where she felt quite afraid. A moment where she felt quite vulnerable. 
And I don't know about you, but for me, in those moments, when I feel overwhelmed, when I feel afraid, when I feel vulnerable, I notice that my prayers start to get a bit shorter. The words get less. The emotion starts to intensify. I'm talking about me now. And my prayer usually boils down to, please help me, Lord Jesus. Please help. Please help me, Lord. And it's in those moments where you feel afraid, where you feel vulnerable, you feel like, I don't even know if I'm doing the right thing. I don't even know how this day is going to turn out. But Jesus, will you help me? It's in those moments and in those choices, the next thing that you do, that's what worship looks like. The thing that you choose to offer when you feel the most fragile, that's what you're offering to Jesus looks like. And you may feel awful. You may feel, what on earth? But let me tell you something, that's a powerful moment right there. It was a powerful moment for this woman, but she didn't know until she gave her offering. And you and I will never know the power of the moment, the power of what we do until we dare to offer it. She dared to offer her offering. In the midst of criticism, the woman kept pouring. In the midst of her own insecurities, because it's not just the voices around, can can I get real this morning? It's not just the voices of the people around. It's often the voices in your own head. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, we are Christians. Yes, we have the mind of Christ, but there are some thoughts that pop up that are unhelpful. Those thoughts that say, oh, what am I doing? I'm stupid. What are they looking at me? What do people think of me? My offering's not like theirs. Oh, this is not good. Oh, this is terrible. I'm failing. All of that stuff can be very present. But when you choose to follow Jesus in those moments, strength is released. I'm reminded of a verse that says, um, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And I've often taken that verse to think, oh, it means a feeling of joy. When I feel joyful and I feel happy and I've got God's joy, but actually it's the joy of the Lord, not my joy. It's when you know what you're doing brings joy to him and he delights. Because when he delights, he delights in you. Because as Christians, he lives on the inside of us. So when he's delighted, when he's pleased with what we are doing, guess what? Strength is released on the inside of us. So regardless of what you're thinking, regardless of what the moment is saying, regardless of how you even feel, just know that Jesus on the inside of you, his delight is releasing strength. And he will enable you to walk in a hard time. He will enable you to walk in a hostile environment. He will enable you in the times when you think like you're failing, in the times when you think like, Jesus, what kind of disciple am I? But Jesus, I want to follow you. In those moments, if you will choose to trust him, in those moments, if you will choose to keep offering, In those moments, if you'll choose to keep pouring, Jesus will do something powerful inside of you and in your context. But you've got to choose to offer it. You've got to choose to keep pouring. You've got to learn from this woman. You see, the the, the reaction around her could have made her think, oh crumbs, I'm really doing the wrong thing here. But sometimes people's reaction isn't a sign that you're doing something wrong. It's a sign that you're doing something right. Amen. 
So keep pouring when it's hard. Even if it's with tears rolling down your eyes sometimes. Even if it's the sick feeling in your stomach. Even if it's with all these thoughts popping up in your head. Just say, Jesus, help me to keep pouring. Jesus, help me to keep offering to you. Because Jesus, you're worth it. Wholehearted worship is about doing what will glorify God. And what glorifies God the most often costs us the most. This woman, it cost her. It cost her financially. It cost her reputationally. And I'm sure it cost her emotionally. Wholehearted worship takes courage to keep going when it's hard. When I was at the school, um, I used to work very, very late. And it was probably after six. Most people had gone. And the Holy Spirit said to me, I want you to go to this classroom and take something. So I thought, okay. So I thought, what have I got? Two tangerines, okay, I take them and I go. And I went to this classroom, knocked on the door, and one of my colleagues was there, a Muslim man. And I said, I've come bearing gifts. I said, how's it going? And he began to share about his difficulties. He began to share about the things that he's going through personally. There was a lot of things happening in the school, and he, a lot of them were centered around him. And we sat eating tangerines, and he poured out his heart. And I took some courage, and I said, can I pray for you? And he said, yeah. I closed my eyes, and I prayed to the God of heaven. And when I opened my eyes, taken off his glasses, and there were tears rolling down his face. And he said, your prayers are like heaven. I said, God bless you. I I'll leave you. And I walked out, walking back to my classroom. I thought, Jesus, did that just happen? Jesus, Jesus, did, did, did that really just happen? <laughs> Lord, you're amazing. So glad I didn't eat those tangerines. <laughs> <laughs> and as I walked back to my classroom, I started to feel sick. Because I remember, I've not finished preparing my lessons for the next day. I haven't done all of my resources. And I've got a lesson observation. And in the lesson observations, they're going to give me a grading which is going to determine if I'm good or I'm not. It's going to determine if I'm failing or I'm adequate. And all of that starts to come back to me. Because the reality is, God plants us in a context for his purposes. And I was planted in that school so that I could bring hope and, and, and encourage people and, and include people who felt isolated and all of that. There was a purpose for me being there, but it was a hard context. I hated it for the last three years. I cried almost every day. It was really difficult. But I knew that God had planted me there. And in the midst of that hardship, God was doing something powerful when I dared to offer myself, when I dared to take a bit of courage, when I dared to open my mouth and say, can I pray for you? When I dared to keep going, Jesus was the most present with me then, regardless of how I felt. And Jesus is with us when it's hard. He was with this woman. And we see that all the people around are putting her down. When Jesus starts to speak, he lifts her up. Jesus will help you. Jesus will defend you, just as he did with this woman. He says, leave her alone. He defends and he protects her. 
And he allowed me not to get failure or inadequate, praise the Lord. <laughs> and he asked them the question, why are you bothering her? And there's a deeper question there. Because what he's really asking is, what's bothering you? Because if we look at our reactions, if we look at our emotions, if we dare to have a bit of reflection, we'll realize the things that we're reacting to, it's not the thing in front, it's not the person, it's not the situation, but actually there's something on the inside of us that is reacting. And Jesus, very gentle, very nice, he just puts it out there and leaves it for them to think about. Is there real concern with the poor? Or are they just uncomfortable with this woman's extravagance and the level of freedom and devotion that she had? Did that bring theirs into light and bring theirs into question? I don't know. Jesus says what she's done is beautiful. Beautiful. Painful. It's hard. <laughs> but it's beautiful to God. The book of Mark focuses a lot on individual people's response to Jesus. Yeah, he talks about the crowd, but he tells a lot of stories about individuals. Individuals, how do they respond to Jesus? How do they respond to him personally? And we see this woman, she comes in close. And he, he focuses on how valuable her contribution is. He says, it's not about the poor. And by the way, this is not his doctrine about how to treat the poor. We see in Mark, he tells the rich, rich young ruler, sell everything you've got and give to the poor. So this is not him saying, don't give to the poor. No, he's saying, it's about me. It's about your relationship to me and it's about your heart towards me. Prioritizing a relationship with Jesus. It's not just about good deeds. And what he was actually saying, this woman is helping me to do what I need to do. Her offering enables me to give my offering. He says she did what she could. And for me, that's good news. Because God's not asking us to do the things that we can't do. And we beat ourselves up. I'm guilty of that. Oh, well, I've not done this and not done that. And I can't do this and I can't do that. Well, guess what? She's saying, do what you can. She did what she could, he says. And here there's also an echo of the widow's might, which came recently in Mark. We looked at that a few weeks ago. And Jesus says to the disciples, he says, come and look at this, look, come and look at this woman's offering. I want to teach you something. And he points it out. And here they've got an opportunity to show that they understand the lesson. They got it. And guess what? The disciples, they missed it again. They missed that actually it's about kingdom priorities. It's about worshipping and not holding back. It's about putting me first. That's what Jesus was trying to highlight and emphasize. This is what discipleship is about. This is what following Jesus looks like. He says, she poured perfume on my body beforehand for my burial. It may seem simple and small, but it's so significant. The things that we do, the acts of kindness, the conversations, the words that we say, the different things that we do, oh, it's just nothing, it's something to God. It's something to God. This act could have been as some, seen as something symbolic. But actually her being there and pouring out her offering was actually very prophetic. Jesus Christ, the Messiah. The word Messiah means anointed one. And here we see this woman pouring oil on him. 
Jesus, the anointed one. His body is now being prepared for the greatest offering that the world will ever see. It's powerful. He says, this woman's story is going to be told. Wherever there's good news, this woman's story is going to be told. In memory of her. Here we see that this gospel is going to go global. That's what he's saying. But he's saying, even though it's going to go global, she's important. Her story is a part of a bigger story. Her offering points towards a bigger offering. Her love and devotion points to the greatest love and devotion ever that we're going to see coming. Her story is a prelude. This act of complete love and devotion of this woman who is following Jesus is placed next to the betrayal of Judas. Mark says he was one of the 12. He's pointing out, here we've got another follower of Jesus. This woman and this man. You'd think that Judas was close. He was in the room. <laughs> he was reclining comfortably with Jesus. He was eating at the table. But it's not about that. There's a picture of discipleship. It's not about being in the room. It's not just about eating at the table. It's about where is your heart towards Jesus Christ? What is your relationship like with him? And here we see a woman who is close, a woman who puts out her offering, a woman who makes a commitment even when it's difficult. And here we see a man who's comfortable sitting and eating, but his heart is actually hard. He's actually getting further and further away from Jesus, even though he's in the room. And he has a choice to make like we all have a choice to make. How close do you want to be to Jesus? What do you want your relationship to look like? The choice is yours. When I finally left teaching, I had mixed feelings. I was so glad that Jesus released me. I said, thank you, Lord. Sam wrote the resignation letter that day. I went in and I gave it in and suddenly I began to smile again. And at the end, they invite people to give speeches. I was like, Jesus, I don't even know if I want to say a speech because there's many things that could come out at this moment. Many things that I could say. There's practices that I could call out in this place. But Lord, I don't want to pour out anything that's bitter. Lord, I want to leave with blessing. And I said, Jesus, if I'm going to say the wrong thing, just keep my mouth closed. And they invited me to say a speech and I didn't know what I was going to say, but I said, Jesus, I trust you. And I opened my mouth and I said, there is a season and there is a time for everything. And God began to fill my mouth with words of encouragement, words of hope, words of truth. And then suddenly I was like, wow, Jesus, praise the Lord. And then the amount of text messages that I got afterwards. One says, we didn't know who you really were. I thought, well, I didn't really know myself, to be honest. <laughs> you know? But he's been willing to offer your offering. Someone who wasn't there phoned and says, I heard about your speech. They were talking about the leaving do. Everyone usually talks about who's sleeping with who. But they're talking about your speech. I was like, praise the Lord. I'm like, God, you've done what I could not do. You took my offering and you've taken it further. You've taken it wider. I had so many cards and so many gifts. And I cried when I read them because I had no idea. One woman wrote, everything you say makes sense. I thought she obviously hasn't heard everything that I say. <laughs> <laughs> Just be 
being around you makes me feel safe. And I thought, wow, I, I didn't know. I thought, we could have actually been friends if I'd know this. <laughs> but the offering, worship's about the offering, it's not about the outcome. When you give what you've got, Jesus will take it further than you can imagine. That's what happened with this woman. One woman says, you kept me sane. There were a lot of cards that talked about sanity. You kept me sane through a particularly long and trying year. I'll be eternally grateful for that. See, what we do for Jesus has eternal value. Seems simple, but it's so significant. I'll miss you being a part of my daily working life. You provide a much-needed voice of sanity and a safe space to talk. Wow. Card from a pupil. It was a pleasure working with you. There was a... <laughs> There was a lot that you teached us. <laughs> yep, <laughs> obviously didn't teach you literacy that well. <laughs> like how to be a great gentleman and how to achieve the best things by going through the hard way. And the important thing you teach us was life might get you down, but there's always a way to pick yourself up again and also have a great holiday. <laughs> These words have nothing to do with my job description. Nothing to do with what I was paid to do, but everything to do with my mission and my mandate from heaven. And they speak about an offering that was poured out in a very hard and hostile context, but that Jesus took and did something powerful with. So the good news for you and I is that Jesus notices what you do in his name. He understands how hard it can be. He really does. And when other people are trying to put you down, Jesus will lift you up. But he wants you to give him your offering. He doesn't take it. You have to be willing to offer it wherever you are. And I was willing to offer myself in a school that was struggling, to people who felt isolated. But you know what your context is. Because what you do becomes the fragrance of Christ where you are. Maybe you think, yeah, but I'm just a neighbor. I don't work. But guess what? You're the fragrance of Christ to your neighbors. Maybe you think, well, I'm just a mum. Just a mum. You've got children that you're raising. You've got people in the playground who you talk to. You can be a fragrance of Christ to them. You might think, well, I just work in a hospital. Yeah, there's a lot of people without hope in hospitals. You can be a carrier of hope and be the fragrance of Christ. Maybe you work on buildings. Yeah, you work on buildings that are going to carry people and help people. And for the people on this side, you're probably thinking, what's that smell? <laughs> you either love it or you hate it. It's lemongrass, by the way. <laughs> but that's what happens. When you pour out your offering, it will linger. And it will speak about the one that you are offering it to. But you just need to offer it. So I encourage you today. Give your offering to Jesus.
because it will cause a reaction. In some places it may be welcomed, in other places it might not. But the most important thing is, does it help Jesus do what he needs to do? And if he is pleased, just know, no matter how hard it is, strength will be released in you and through you for the glory of God. I'm going to ask the, the band to come back now. And we're going to close in prayer. And I wonder if you could sing, Jesus, Holy and Anointed One. That'd be all right. I'm going to pray just for all of us because we're all in different contexts. So as they're coming, can we bow our heads and pray? Father God, we come in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, God. We thank you that we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Sometimes it feels fragile. Sometimes it feels hard. Sometimes we, we don't even know what we're doing. But Lord, we love you and we want to serve you. Will you help us? Will you help us to do that well? Will you empower us by your spirit when we feel broken, when we feel low, when we feel discouraged? Lord, in that moment, will your spirit strengthen us? Will you enable us to make the right choices even when it's hard? Lord, will you help us to live for you? Lord, because we love you. You've given us the greatest example of what a life poured out looks like. Will you help us to bring our offering? Will you give us courage where we're afraid? Will you give us strength where we feel weak? Because, Lord, we want to glorify you. That is our heart's desire. Will you enable us to do that every day? In Jesus' name, amen. And before we start singing, I want to give an offer. If this message has touched you personally, maybe you're going through things, and you would like a personal prayer, please come forward as we sing this next song. We would love to pray with you. And if there's anybody here that does not know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Saviour, I want to give you the opportunity today to come to him. And maybe you think, but, but, but I don't really know enough. I don't know all the answers. I don't know all the scriptures. But you know what? Based on what you do know, would you be willing to say, Jesus, I give you my heart. Jesus, I give you my life. If you're willing to do that, we would love to pray with you. We would love to help you make that next step and offer yourself. We saw in this text, Jesus is not after the money. <laughs> he wants you. If you want us to pray, please come. Let's worship. <laughs>